0: Hello everyone, my name is Kate, and you are listening to episode 31 of The Kate Show. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Nancy Ganzikoffer. She's another business coach for interior designers and other creatives, and our conversation was so much fun. She touches on the confidence that we women really need to have in business, and how finding that confidence is our responsibility. And she also gives us some really interesting insights into the reasons why interior designers specifically will wait too long before hiring a business coach. So before we dive into the interview, let me tell you a little bit about Nancy. Nancy is a focused, motivated, and dedicated business coach. Through her work, she empowers interior designers and other creatives to build the life and the business they've always wanted. As a mom of three young adults and a successful business owner, Nancy understands the unique challenges entrepreneurs face when pursuing their dream of growing a profitable business. She leads by example through her hard work, encouragement, and most of all, her no BS leadership style. She offers individual and group coaching to guide and motivate her clients to get clear on their business identity, their offerings, and their services. Then she helps them set up a plan to attract and close more of their ideal clients and good deals with effective marketing and sales techniques. So she's all about the long term strategy, guys. If you want long term growth in your business, you need to get a good business coach. It's not overhead, it's an investment. So without further ado, here is my interview with Nancy Ganzikoffer.
1: Welcome to The Kate Show, a weekly marketing podcast for interior designers and home stagers. Hosted by author, entrepreneur, and marketing consultant, Kate the Socialite. Each week you'll learn helpful tips on how to make social media easier, how to grow your mailing list, and how to simplify every area of marketing and advertising your business. With her blunt, no-fluff approach, Kate stands up for business owners who want real results in their marketing, but have limited time or resources. And now, please welcome your host, Kate the Socialite.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Kate Show. As you guys heard in the intro, I have got Nancy Gansinkoffer with us today. So, Nancy, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Kate. I'm excited to be on your podcast
0: yeah, I'm super excited too, and I know that we've met not that long ago, but you had reached out and asked if I'd come on your Facebook Live, which is a weekly wind down every Week- Friday. Yeah, weekend and wind down. Yes, yes, and I want to make sure that I put a link to that in the show notes because it is such a fun time, and. Nice. I just really enjoyed getting to know you on there, so I was super excited when I could finally get you on my show.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so so can you tell us a little bit about you, not just as a businesswoman because heaven knows you've got just so many credentials behind you, but could you share with us a little bit about your personal career journey so that people listening can, you know, kind of see themselves in different points in your path.
2: Absolutely. And I think that my story is so relatable to so many home industry professionals, interior designers, because often what they're doing today is a second career, or they started out in interior design and they raised their kids at the same time. And that's basically what I did. I started out after, I'll make this beginning part quick, but I started out after college working for a bank, and I was a collector, like, you know, MasterCard collections, and then um, mortgage collections, and boy, do you learn a lot by being a collector about human nature and making deals, right?
0: Mm. Um, scary.
2: It is scary. And then I became an assistant supervisor, supervisor, moved all the way up over 10 years to first vice president. I managed department um, three departments of 50 people each, so 150 people. And then I started having babies. <laughs> so, uh, so my first child was in daycare in the building, but definitely was not happy, crying all the way there, crying all the way back, I'm a, you know, I'm a workaholic even today, so too many hours. And I thought, this just isn't right.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I kind of stuck it out, adjusted my hours, and I got pregnant with my second. I thought, okay, time to leave. So I got a really beautiful package to, to finish having a baby and last another year, and I became a stay-at-home mom. Well, that was not so good for my personality. Love my kids. I'm a great mom. They're now 19, 22, and 24. However, I felt like I was just not getting enough Um, adult interaction and using my brain so (laughs) interestingly and weirdly i went back to become a personal fitness instructor so i went to a a local college because i thought i want to get back in shape after two pregnancies so i'll do it this way so i became a personal fitness trainer um went to hofstra university and they ended up hiring me as an instructor after i went through the course i also worked and started a business out of my home training other moms. So they would come over with Dick had a full gym in the basement. It was very impressive. And I would, they would train. So it would take us a little longer than an hour, but I would charge them. And we'd have our kids there and we'd get through a really good workout. In addition, I worked at New York Sports and Fitness. So again, you know what? I'm helping people. I'm advising people. And I always thought after that point, I would roll into life coaching. But then I got pregnant with my third, I, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, these things happen. And he was planned, by the way. Yeah. but when he was born, well, I lost one baby early on, and then I had gotten pregnant with him. When he was born, he was born with a heart anomaly. He had something called transposition of the great vessels, very serious, one in 10,000, and had to have open heart surgery at five days old.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah. It was not a happy time. And It was scary and he ended up making it through. He's my 19 year old, knock on wood. He's very healthy. He's going into his second year of college. So, but he was quarantined for two years. So what do you do with, you know, a, what did I have at the time? A four year old and a six year old or a three and a half year old and a five and a half year old plus a newborn who was quarantined. And I just had no choice but to stay home. And that was fine. My husband was very helpful. We got through the two years, and then after the two years, I went, hmm, all right, I don't want to go back to mortgage banking because it's been, you know, quite a few years, and I want to stay home with my kids, but yet I want to work. So one day my mother called and said, you know, I'm giving away all my artwork. She was an artist at this point living in Las Vegas. We grew up in New York, which is where I am today, but she, her and my father moved to Las Vegas after all three of their daughters got married. So she's there painting away, and she's piling up her watercolors. And I said, why would you give them away? I'm looking for something to do. You know, Kevin just started school because it was after the two-year quarantine. And she sent them to me, and I'm like, okay, what do I do with this huge pile? And I started having home art parties. Home art parties, sticky, tacking watercolors to friends and families' homes and asking them to invite friends and family for, for wine and cheese and for selling art. I was working so hard, Kate. Like, I would work 60, 70 hours a week to plan a party, send out invitations, encourage the host, you know, buy wine, get the art ready, price everything, and I'd walk out of there and make 65 bucks. Mm. My mother also made 65 bucks. So she was extremely happy. This was like a new lease on life. She kept calling me and going, what do I need to paint? What are people liking? And I'm like, well, they're not liking much. (laughs) (laughs) They're liking a lot, but they're not buying a lot. But I just, you know, and I had a lot of naysayers in my life. And I want everyone to listen to this very carefully. When you have naysayers in your life who are like planting seeds of no success in the future, you're never going to make money doing this. What are you doing? It can either make you stop in your tracks and go, they're right. I'm never going to do this and bring up your own insecurities. Or it can make you dig your heels in and say, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those that dug my heels in and said, I know I'm onto something. I'm going to prove them wrong. So one day I kept going. One day an interior designer walked into a party and she looked at a piece of artwork, which wasn't one of my mother's. Although I did sell a lot of my mother's by that point. And she said, that's the perfect piece of artwork for my client's home. Can you, I want to design a whole bathroom around it. Can you bring it to my client? And I'm like, Absolutely. And then when I'm at the client, she's like, can you help us frame it? Because she loved it. I'm like, sure. I knew nothing about art. (laughs) I knew nothing, less than nothing about framing. I don't even think I ever had anything custom framed in my own house. But I just said yes to everything. Brought it to the framer. He taught me, like, give me a quick lesson. Give me some suggestions. Can you give me some matte corners? Can you give me some frame corners? He supplied me. and Can you give me great pricing? Obviously, right? Because I wanted to make some money off of this. He did all of that, um, and that's how Expressive Living was born, which was the company, an art consulting company I ran for 15 years. Just closed it down less than a year ago. It By 15 years later, it was art, framing, and accessories, shop-at-home service, and we quickly identified, or I quickly identified, because I didn't have any employees at that point, that interior designers were my target market. Mm-hmm because they, the, they had the clients who appreciated the service. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. So I started going, okay, just like I teach my clients now, where do your ideal clients hang out? So I started Googling. I found the Interior Design Society Long Island chapter. I went to one of their meetings. Within three meetings, they asked me if I would be vice president. I think it was three meetings. Um, so I ran for vice president two years of vice president, two years as president, tripled the size of the chapter, one chapter of the year, two years in a row when I was president, um, recreated that whole base where they were fairly new and small when I got in there. Uh, And then about when I was 50, three years ago, maybe just under three years ago, I was thinking my youngest is going to college and I'm not enjoying the art consulting as much anymore. So it's time to recreate myself. And when I kind of spent time with myself, which often is what it takes to make a move in your career or to jump up to another level, I decided that what I was best at over the years, I was a great businesswoman. I was making you know, $350,000 a year as an art consultant. Mm -hmm. Had two employees working out of the house, started selling accessories as well, had a showroom. And I thought, over the years, what do people always come to me for? My business isn't doing well. I'm not making enough money. I'm running my butt off. You were at that appointment. What could I have done better? Um, You know, having trouble with employees or not sure whether they should hire an employee. They don't know how to sell themselves or sell the product. I saw them constantly giving into the money issues that clients had. And I just was constantly giving advice. So I decided to hire a coach and learn how to be an online business coach. I already knew that I was a good business coach, a great business coach, but I didn't know how to do all this online stuff that people do these days. So at 50 years old, I threw myself into learning about all this technology. And now it's two and a half years later, I shut down Expressive Living, I think nine or 10 months ago. I have virtual employees and I've got about 37 clients right now.
0: Wow. You know, there are so many things about your story that I absolutely love. And as you were telling that story, I'm over here taking notes because I'm like, oh, we've got to talk about these things. So, (laughs) so first of all, the thing that strikes me about you is how confident you are and It has always bothered me that for some reason in our culture, this day and age, it seems like women are told that they shouldn't say, hey, guess what? I'm a good businesswoman. Like, I can stand in that space. I can claim it for myself. And the fact that you paired that with also saying, I'm a good mom, because so often Women in business, and I'm, I'm approaching this too because I don't have kids yet, but you know, in the future, it's like so many sources will tell you, you can either be a good businesswoman or a good mom. But what you're saying is you can be both.
2: You could totally be both. And I won't say there weren't times that I felt guilty because, yeah, I'm on the dining room table after the kids get home from school, answering emails, scheduling appointments, texting people. And I thought, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. But I will tell you from from the 24 years that I did that, all three of my children have such an incredible business sense. And two of the three so far have definitely directly credited watching me grow my business.
0: Mm -hmm. They
2: are always, if they've ever been employed, everyone always wants to continue to employ them. Uh, My oldest son now works for me as my business manager. He has unbelievable technical skills and people skills and he now works for me virtually because he doesn't live with me anymore. All three of them have this incredible business sense and it's because they watched me grow a business. So for the moms out there who have young kids, here's one trick. When you start feeling guilty that you're not spending enough time with them, you probably aren't. Carve out a little time each day. When kids are young, All they really want from you is 15, 20 minutes of undivided attention. Mm -hmm. Play with them, read them, take them outside, take them to a park, have that one-on-one time because then when you say mom has to work now, they are calm. Yes. They've they've had your time. Um, As they get older, you become the taxi service. It gets a little harder, (laughs) but it's totally doable. Remember as a business owner, You can set up whatever business schedule works for you. Mm -hmm. You you just can, right? So I, as Expressive Living for years, I did Saturday appointments. And then one day I just said to my employees, I'm not doing Saturday appointments anymore. I'm just not doing them. And they were like, we're going to lose so much business. And I'm like, you know what? We'll see. So the next, I don't think so. If they want you enough, they're going to figure out a way to meet with you. Yes. So... That's what happened. So I said, no more Saturdays. Sure enough, first couple of clients, can you come Saturday? My husband and I work. No, I'm sorry. We do not work on Saturdays for family obligations. Is there a holiday coming up? Like maybe I would work on a morning on Labor Day or something. Or can you and your husband take off in the morning or come home early or in the late afternoon? I can do either of those. And I think over the five or six years that I implemented that rule, I only did not hear back from one client.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: that's the reality. And I thought that's worth it.
0: Absolutely. That client probably was not your ideal client if that was how they were going to react. So it's like, again, this aspect of your personality and really your brand is that You aren't afraid to say, this isn't making me happy anymore, so I'm going to change it. Whereas, as I've seen in so many other businesses, and I've even been there myself, where you're doing something day after day, and it's making you unhappy, and you know it's making you unhappy, but you are afraid. And you don't know where to move to next. And all it does is like eat away and kill the passion that we all once had for our businesses. So that's why when I'm interviewing somebody like you who puts it out there so plainly, like, I wasn't happy, so I changed it. It's like, light bulb, like, brilliant. Why don't we all do that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's hard to work through fear. It's definitely one of the hardest things to work through. It's hard to work through criticism. And judgment from other people and believe me I've I've dealt with a ton of it and I'm sure everyone who's listening has Um, but at the same time I take the approach like you said if it's not making me happy can it be changed how can it be changed and how can I learn how to change it I'm always in learning mode to me my job as a business coach is to be learning constantly So I can continue to teach new things along with the, you know, the the steady base of what I teach because so many different personalities, you want to make sure that you can move all of them along to their own more, being more profitable, having greater success, having a life work balance, like whatever they're looking to achieve as I'm a business coach, but I'm really a life and business coach. I need to have those skills to be able to teach people, you know what, read this book listen to this podcast, you know, download this YouTube video because this might be the wording you need to shift you in addition to me and the words I use to shift people. So you need to know a lot.
0: Yeah. And that desire to constantly be learning is something that I've seen in the most successful entrepreneurs out there. So the thing I want to ask you is, When that interior designer told you, hey, this art would be perfect, I want to design a bathroom around it, by the way, can you make a frame, and you said yes, even though you said (laughs) you had no idea what you were doing, that exact phrase is what I have heard all of these successful business people say. So my question to you is, do you think that is a crucial trait of an entrepreneur, of knowing when to say, yes, I can do that, when behind the scenes, it's like, I have no clue, but I'm going to (laughs) try.
2: If you have grit and resilience and tenacity, which is something that can be taught and trained, you should say yes. I mean, I look back at the first jobs I did, Kate, and I think, ooh, like, I can't believe I called myself (laughs) an art consultant, right? (laughs) But I sold it. I sold it because like you said, if you come up, you know, I'm I'm known for this phrase, confidence is a brand that sells. It really is. If you have a network of, people within your industry, if you're in these Facebook groups like mine, Actionable Entrepreneurs, if you have friends in the neighborhood, you can find the answers. The key is trusting yourself. So I always trust myself that I will make it happen. If I say yes to something, it's because I trust that I am going to be able to make it happen. If it's something that's very technical, like if somebody said, you know, come in and, you know, do my tax return, I'd be like, no, I don't (laughs) want to learn that. It's not in my wheelhouse, you know, but if it's within, if it's a growth opportunity, then I always say, say yes, and we'll figure it out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship, because we end up learning so many things purely by necessity. Because yeah, our first you you're doing a podcast. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> like our first thought isn't, um, I can't do that. I'll go refer you to someone who does do it. Instead, entrepreneurs are like, Yeah, I can do that. And then they go start Googling things like crazy to figure out how the heck to do that.
2: <laughs> right. And then like I hired a coach. I hired a coach right from the day I decided to become a business coach officially and an international business coach. I have clients in Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. the UK. Someone contacted me today um, because I'm starting a new group. This, uh, well, I've had groups, I've had four groups of sales and leadership academy for interior designers. I'm starting group five mm-hmm. in September. So she had seen my post somewhere and responded like, is this just for American interior designers? I'm like, absolutely not. So, um, and I have one in, uh, did I mention Kenya, Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's current with me right now. So, and I have a lot of, you know, United States, of course. So I encourage people to get the help. It doesn't have to be a business coach, but make sure it's a mentor that knows the business right? Or knows what you're trying to get better at, right? So it doesn't, if you're an interior designer, it doesn't have to be an interior designer coach. If what you're looking to is increase your sales, I just need to learn sales, right? So hire a sales coach, but it definitely does help if they know a little bit about the industry.
0: Yes, absolutely. And going off of that, I have a little Q and A for you because I know that my listeners love to hear about the successes and failures, basically a before and after of you as a business person. So, what one mistake did you make in the multiple businesses that you have run that is something our listeners can relate to?
2: Oh my God, which which
0: one? (laughs) I know, right? I'm sure, like we all make so many, but what is one that always sticks with you?
2: You know, listen, I I think about my most embarrassing moment for some reason when you asked me that question, and it was a time when an interior designer had hired me for the artwork, and she laid out her criteria, we sent her some images, then she changed the criteria, we sent her some images, and then the third time she changed the criteria, I was a little frustrated. So I got the email from her, and I hit forward and sent it to my assistant saying like, oh my God, do you believe her? like she's driving me crazy. (laughs) And the minute I hit send, this little light bulb went off, went, oh no, I think I hit reply. And yes, I did. Oh no. Yep. I stood up. It was nine o'clock at night. My kids were on the couch. We were watching TV with my laptop on my lap. And I stood up and started screaming. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And you're looking at your teenagers going, get it back get it back get it it away and I knew the designer at the time blackberries were really big I'm like I know the designer had a blackberry so she was going to get it like
0: right away oh no
2: like I do with everything else I ran into my bathroom which is my master bath it's private and I called her right then and there my heart was racing and I'm like oh my god you just got an email from me oh hi Nancy I'm driving I'm like oh Okay, so you haven't seen the email yet, and I might have said one or two more sentences, but it was not terrible. Mm-hmm. It was not like I called her names or anything. But um, and I rarely do that. So this lesson I learned now, when I hit reply or forward, I do not put the name into the box until I've written the full reply, and then I double and triple check.
0: Oh uh, yes, that's like my worst nightmare. Oh my my God, it was really terrifying.
2: (laughs) And it's happened to a lot of people. So when I tell that story, they're like, oh my God, that happened to me. So um, keep the two empty until even erase it. If you have to, if you hit reply, erase it, right. And then make sure you're double checking and then put it back in. I mean, it's just a double, a double check. Mm -hmm. Um, The other mistake I would talk about is when I hired a business coach, my first business coach for this business, it was a group of 700 people oh wow um no i'm sorry i'm wrong it's 200 people for 700 dollars. <laughs> so it was you just got lost in the shuffle
0: mm-hmm.
2: it was too big and after since i was experienced businesswoman after about four months i thought i don't want to do it the way she's teaching but i'm gonna you know I'm, I'm tied into a one-year contract so i'm gonna learn everything i can and that's the way I approach everything. I'm not going to try to get out of my contract. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to just get everything out of it that I can. And I did. I got a ton out of it. And one of the things I got, my biggest thing was that like, I never want to have a group of 200 people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just too much. And people get lost. I think you can do that for about three months, maybe. You could have a group where you're teaching truly the basics. After that, it has to break out into smaller groups or one-on-one, three or four months, I'd say, because then is when it gets very personal to your experience, your business, and your needs.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that your way of handling both of those situations, where one was caused by you and the other one was just caused by, you signed up for something, it turned out to not meet your expectations, In both situations you looked at it and said how can I fix this how can I make this better and I love that because there is nothing about sitting down saying okay I quit I give up I screwed up there's always an action to be taken
2: that's why I called my group actionable entrepreneurs I originally called something else and I was finding it difficult to come up with posts that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I am all about taking action to grow your business, to grow your life, to improve your life, to balance everything, to make money and to, to get comfortable with sales and your brand and everything. It was all about taking action.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I named it actionable entrepreneurs, it was suddenly so easy. And people have told me you should have named it, you know, interior designers taking action. You know, so I attract just interior designers, but I don't just coach interior designers, although that is my lion's share um, because it's the world I've been in. So after the Long Island um, Interior Design Society, I became a national board member. And now I'm the founding president of the virtual chapter of the interior design society so being well known in a in a specific world helps you get started
0: yes it helps you create a name for yourself which is something that i can personally attest to because as most of our listeners know when i started my business just over four years ago i did not have a niche market i made all the mistakes And because of it, I was frustrated. I wanted to give up. It was very emotional and my business wasn't growing. So when I made the decision, this is who I want to serve and them alone. I mean, yeah, I could work with other people, but I just choose not to, you know, I don't have to, I don't want to. And there are a lot of designers out there who need to find a niche market, who need to figure out who their ideal client is, but they are afraid. They think if they specify, then they're actually going to lose business. And my question for you, Nancy, is what do you have to say to that?
2: It's very scary to niche down. You really believe that you're not you're going to be, well, what about these other people, right? So I coach primarily women interior designers who have been in business for five to 30 years, right? I mean, that's my sweet spot. But new designers come to me and say, can you help me? Men come to me and say, can you help me? And I'm like, absolutely. And that's, again, a personal choice. Can I help them? I have other coaches, web designers, branding specialists. I have podcasters. I coach them, but I don't market to them. But when they relate to your message, they will hire you. So interior designers, if you're choosing to market to, let's call it single women and make that your niche, that does not mean a single man or a married woman is not going to come to you when they hear your messaging. If they relate to your voice, they will come to you. But what it does for you is make it really clear how to word your emails, word your newsletters, who you're addressing specifically, but just don't fret because if you want to take on other clients as well, when they are attracted to your messaging, they'll say, hey, I know I'm not a woman, or I know I'm not a divorced woman, or whatever your target is, but can you help me with blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And you can choose to say yes or no. And I believe you can niche down in your ideal client, or you can niche down in your service, right? You, I was just art and accessories, art framing and accessories. That's a niche within the interior design industry,
0: Very much so. Yes. And I like that you present that angle as well, because there are many designers I speak with who say, I offer full service interior design, but what I really, really love are just kitchen remodels, or I really just love creating gorgeous master suites or even powder rooms or just nurseries. And I tell them that. Is awesome I'm glad you're recognizing that so why not make that your big push and then you start thinking okay if I want to specialize in um, a full-blown master suite design what type of person is interested in that and then you can start to figure out who you're talking to and how you're talking to them so yeah I a hundred percent agree with you
2: well and here's the other thing it does if somebody is just re- looking to redo their master bedroom suite, sometimes they're afraid to bring in a full service interior designer who might end up saying, well, you know, your living room needs this, or if you're ever looking for pillows for that, and they're looking to expand out or they may be afraid of that. But now they see a designer who's just talking about master suites, and they go, wow, she must really be a specialist, and she's not going to push me to do other things before because I'm not ready. And they're going to be, that's going to be very appealing to them. So when I got into clients with art framing or accessories, and again, I mostly, 95% of the time, went in with a designer. Occasionally, a friend of a friend or family a friend would say, can you come and do it at my house? And I would take those clients. While I'm there, they're like, can you also help me? I need a new couch, and I, I'm not a full designer. So I would say, no, but I can refer you to somebody. Imagine... If I was, I'm going in with art, framing and accessories and every time somebody asked me, oh man, did I miss out on a lot of money?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah. I didn't want to do that, right? So I didn't say yes to everything. I knew I had literally no interest in full-blown interior design. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my thing. So remember when you niche down, it helps you with your marketing. And you know this, obviously your marketing. <laughs> it helps you speak to your ideal client but that does not mean other people will not approach you when they're so impressed with what you're doing with your marketing.
0: Yes. And that goes back to, it's really an age old mindset of being a specialist. I mean, if you think about it, if we just need some general help, we go to a general practitioner, Hmm. but if we have an issue that is really pressing we go to a specialist. We don't even think of going to a general practitioner. We go to somebody who clearly knows what they're talking about and who is experienced in whatever issue we are dealing with. And the same is true of interior design, of home staging, window treatments. If somebody has a specific issue and they're willing to invest, then they will be more attracted to the specialist. And to your point, Nancy, once you get in their home, And you get there, you're in their trust, you have this relationship, then they're like, oh, well, what about the furniture? What about this other room? Can you do more? And if so, great. But I also like that you pointed out, if that's not what you want to do, you can say no. And like, nobody's going to die. No is a good word.
2: These are not life or death decisions. And that's, you know, another thing that occasionally comes up in sessions. Like, well, I'm just so afraid to make that decision. Why? You can change your mind. Mm -hmm. Change your mind. You can set your hours. You can set your methods. You can buy a program to manage your interior design firm. If you don't like it, you can change. Right. So people almost put the same weight on every decision where certain decisions should be weighted a little bit lighter.
0: Yes, that's a really good point because early on in my own business, I would just stress out about what I look back now, I mean, they're like really simple issues. And when you start to ask yourself, okay, am I afraid of this? Yes. Why am I afraid of this? Suddenly the fear goes away because you realize there was nothing to be afraid of, but this is a real issue for a lot of business owners, you know, not just interior designers. So what would you say are the other like top business struggles that you find your clients faced with and how you help them overcome it?
2: Oh, there's so many, but I'd say the first one is not charging what they're worth.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Huge one. Literally every new client I have, when I go over what they're charging, and I really think it's every single one. I'm not sure I can remember one that as a business coach, my goal is to make you more money, to make you more than you're paying me and teach you what you can then go on and do perpetually in your business and just rinse and repeat and keep making it happen. And- a minute I look at their pricing models, I go, okay, let's move them up slowly. Depending on how much anxiety they have, how much uh, I may have to teach them by the words to use around why they charge the way they charge, which is another big one. Um, having the justification for themselves, uh, working on their money mindset, right? And, and how they view money often affects how they charge for themselves and their value. So that's definitely number one, charging what they're worth. Um, number two would be, let me think, becoming more profitable overall. Because even some of the designers who you would think were making a ton of money, right? Because from the outside, they look like they're t- making a, a ton. When I asked them what they net after expenses, you'd be surprised how little they made because they just don't have the mix right of expenses to income, income to expenses. So that's another one. So charging what you're worth is number one, and then being profitable is number two. And then after that, it's a whole bunch of things related to um, leadership, being a CEO of your company, actually taking time to work on your business, not just being frenetically working on clients in your business, and how to get that all you know, successful systems in place where you're not stretched for time. Um, If you're not getting enough clients, it's creating a ladder of services that you can bring someone into your umbrella, your funnel, it's right, your umbrella of services in a slow way that eventually will create them to be a full service designed client if that's what you want.
0: Yes, I like the strategy behind that, and I do think that it is so interesting that so many of us in business have a hard time putting a price on our services, and I've talked to you know, our mutual friend Michelle Williams about this as well. I yes, love Michelle. Yeah, she's awesome, and it's just interesting that women seem to struggle with this more than men, at least that's what I've noticed. Yes. Uh, what have you noticed?
2: Definitely women struggle more than men. Um, I even had a client today, I said, we were raised to apologize for everything. Stop apologizing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: we feel like we always have to like, I'm, so, I'm sorry about everything. And, and you'd never hear a bunch of men sitting in a circle talking about how much they charge.
0: Right. That it's not really an issue for them, which I think is awesome. Like good for them. Exactly. But that's when we have to scrounge up our own confidence as women and be like, you know, we are equals, we can choose to believe whatever we want about ourselves, we can choose to believe that we are worth the price we're putting out there, and feel good about increasing our prices so that they match the quality we're delivering. Which, I mean, also brings up another point of you don't want to set your prices really high if you can't deliver at a high level, which is always something that I know you business coaches talk about.
2: Yes, but the first thing, I just wrote it down because I wanted to go back, it all comes down to communication skills. It's being able to communicate your value. Mm -hmm. And yes, having a successful system in place that's really a high level so that you can raise your prices. If you're unorganized, if you don't know how to speak the language that the client speaks, not your language, but the language that they would understand, it's almost you're an interior design coach. You're coaching them through what they can expect, how to handle their own anxieties, the value of what you're providing, the value of the quality of furnishings you're providing. And you're you're learning how to speak to yourself about your own value so that then you can relay it to the client in a way that they can hear it, understand it, and go, that's such a Mm no-brainer, right?
0: Yeah, but communication is so huge and that's a lot of what I'm dealing with as a marketing consultant because when I have clients come to me and they say, I have set my prices and I feel good about the price, but unfortunately, people keep telling me that it's too much. What do you think I'm doing wrong? So I'll go look at their website and their portfolio, which they haven't updated in forever usually, Right. and I'll go back to them and say, you know what? the perceived value of your services is really low. Even though I know because you sent me your portfolio images in Dropbox, I know that you are capable of a lot. I know that you're a good designer, but the image you're putting out there is that you're a discounted designer because you haven't invested in a professional website or professional branding that actually speaks to your target client. So yeah, communication on every level, both, you know, like, The way you speak, the way you present yourself, the way you present your business online, that is crucial to being able to then say, yes, this is what I charge, like it or not.
2: And and I agree. That's your first point. That's where someone looks you up. What does your Facebook business page say? What does your personal page look like? You know, you want to be conscious of that when you're an entrepreneur. Then what does your website look like? And then when they meet you in person, can you actually back it up with the communication and the words you need? to relay that value. Because no matter what your website looks like, that'll get you the initial call maybe and probably get you the initial consult. But after that, are you able to communicate well what your process is, how it feels to the client, right? All that emotion behind what you're gonna do for them. And I have so many exercises that I do with my clients to get them to finally feel their own value. And you can't believe how high I can get their hourly rate once I can get them comfortable with the words around their own value. And like you point out, look how talented you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how every piece of a brand needs to be connected because the second there is a disconnect between different brand items. And I'll just explain what that is. I mean, like you said, from the website, that's great. It's useful. It creates a good first impression, but, when they meet the designer in person you know, are they presenting the same image their website was if their website was over-the-top high-end design are they showing up in yoga pants like that's right. a disconnect that's not okay but if their website was presenting a very casual like you know yoga life type interior design showing up in yoga pants is expected it's what they would want because if you showed up in heels they wouldn't trust you so It's not about always being like high-end, super fancy. It's more so just about being consistent.
2: Yeah. And then when you open your mouth, do the words come out in a way that backs up what you have on your website Mm -hmm. and how you're dressed? Like, are you congruent all the way through? So for me, I work more on what happens when they write an email. What are they saying? Are they saying too much? Are they leaving openings for clients to jump in are they negotiating their rates why and that what does that do to the relationship you know and are they accepting texts all hours of the night in the morning what is that doing to the relationship are they sticking to their contract as stated you know are they charging extra are they charging you know for every hour they work and if not why so you know this this. Listen, I'm so impressed with interior designers. They juggle so many things, right? Every business owner does, and they have even more. I think of it like every fringe, every doorknob, every knob on a cabinet, every foot on a couch gets picked out by them. And it's a lot to be responsible for, so it's hard. So at the same time, Getting comfortable with your process, your communication, your brand, your sales process, your ladder of services, all that stuff, um, and your marketing is going to relieve a lot of that stress and let you focus on what you do best.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And at this point, there should be no doubt in anyone's mind that interior designers need business coaches, that it's an investment to further grow the business it's not considered overhead but what are the main reasons why interior designers or even creatives in general will push off hiring a business coach
2: it's usually their money mindset it'll be you know well i'm waiting for one more client and then i'll hire you well guess what if you hire me you'll probably get that one more client quicker Mm -hmm. Um, or when you get them it'll be more profitable or I'll get you to the point. I, I I can't tell you how many times a new client starts with me and says, "I know you're going to tell me I charge too little, but it's before I started talking to you." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I'm like, "You should have hired me sooner." You know, um, it, it's it's usually the money mindset, and they and because and because there's so much free content out there. Like us, I'm, you know, I'm giving solid lessons, you're giving solid lessons, and in my group and other um, coaching groups and marketing groups and this group and podcasts, there's so much information out there that you can absorb and listen to and learn, but here's what's different. You don't, just like your clients do not hire you for information, they hire, your ideal client hires you for implementation. hmm that's the same for me. My ideal client has, yeah, probably listened to a ton of us talking about stuff, but they get to the point where now they're a little on overwhelm and they need someone to help them make the decisions that are important to the growth of their business and put them in the right order. So I always approach it, well, I'm trying to help you manage your current clients if they're going wrong, um, if anything's going wrong because of a bad process you've had, while at the same time building the base back up and redoing procedures and redoing thought processes and redoing your pricing um, and teaching you things so that they're still making money and, and, and handling situations that it might be blowing up right now, but also learning how to do things better for the future clients.
0: Yeah. And, you know, even on the emotional side of business, and again, maybe this is just a female thing, I'm not sure, but just knowing that you aren't alone in running your business and in making decisions is the most comforting aspect, at least for me about working with a business coach, because there are so many things that come up on a weekly basis that it's like, well, this is new. What the heck am I supposed to do now?
2: (laughs) It's having someone, I don't even know if you know this because I don't have my website. My website's just my name, but um, my company name is called your business partner. Mm -hmm. Because that's exactly how I thought of it. I want to be there to help them bounce ideas off of, make good decisions, not make mistakes that I've made or seen a ton of other interior designers make. Um, I can't even tell you how many because I've been in the industry for so long. And that's why I called myself your business partner, because while they're working with me, I really, I think about them even when I'm not on the phone with them. Like, what could that person do a little better? Oh, I need to tell her this, this, and this. And this might be helpful to her. I turn into their business partner in order to help them make more money. Mm-hmm. and That's really the bottom line. So you're right. Just having that person to know that I get to talk to them or whatever, how many times a month is a relief. It's a stress reliever and allows you to be less um, in your head and just do what you need to do.
0: Yes. I agree completely. And before I start talking to you about how people can work with you and what that looks like, because I know everyone listening is curious, hiring a business coach can be intimidating at face value. So I want you to walk us through it. Before we do that, let's jump to a quick break.
1: Do you struggle with social media or email marketing? Socialite can help with email newsletters and social media posts that you can customize and use in minutes. Marketing your design or home staging firm has never been easier, faster, or more affordable. Visit katethesocialite.com to access free and premium marketing help for your business today.
0: And we're back. So everyone listening, before the break, we were talking all about how interior designers desperately need business coaches and the reasons why they delay in hiring them. But now let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about what you can expect when you are beginning to work with a business coach, because I know that a lot of us can be intimidated and we might think that they're going to judge us. They're going to rip us apart, rip our businesses apart. And Nancy, what do you have to say to that?
2: I don't know. I just got a testimonial that my one of my clients had the biggest month ever in her career, and she just wants to sit down and have a glass of wine with me. So I can't be that intimidating.
0: <laughs> that is so sweet.
2: <laughs> um, and again, you know what? I think you have to go with a business coach that you relate to their style and their message, um, and their voice, and the way they deliver information. It's really important. So not, you know, not every coach is right for every person. You need to feel that connection. Um, and it's the same for you guys when working with, you know, the listeners, when you are getting your ideal client, you want it to be someone who, who likes your style, so to speak, and is knowledgeable. So for me to onboard into my process, I always recommend first go into my group, Actionable Entrepreneurs. Um, and I actually bought the URL. So actionableentrepreneurs.com will take you to the Facebook group. So request in there, um, there are free exercises on my website as well, nagansequafolk.com. So that's another great place to, to get a little free content. I have free webinars up there, and you can see what, what I'm all about. Then what I do, if somebody's interested, the first step is doing a reduced cost strategy call. So at 197, you get a full 50 minutes, five0. Uh, 15 minutes of coaching. It's straight coaching. There's no sales involved. We're not trying to get you into anything at all. It's like, okay, let's talk about your business. What are you struggling with? What can I help you with? And we, I actually can move the needle from most people in that first session. And at the end I basically just say, just like I want you guys to say after your initial consultations, which are paid, they better be paid. um, You just say, would you like to know how you can work with me further? And I don't even offer that to some people. When I go, you know what, you have it all together. I think I made enough tweaks in your mindset or in your profile or in your service that you don't need me, right? Um, But if they choose to wanna work with me further, I let them know they can work with me once a month, twice a month, two and a half times a month, phone calls, 50 minute calls. um, And the highest level has email and Voxer support. Voxer is a walkie talkie app that my highest level clients can use and i'm rolling out another group this will be my fifth group it's called the sales and leadership academy for interior designers and that's going to be starting in september so if anyone's interested in that message me on facebook send me an email nancy at nancy listen i'm all over the place you can send me messages in lots of different places or on my instagram which is the same as my name Send me a message so that I can get you the 197 reduced cost strategy call, and then we can see if the Sales and Leadership Academy is good for you. Or if you just want to start in September and go right into that, happy to hop on the phone with somebody for 10 minutes and just see if they're a good fit. And I usually only take six to eight people in there.
0: So when someone books that reduced cost strategy call with you, and let's say they're like, yeah, I want to keep coaching with you. Do you have a certain number of months that you coach them or is it just individualized?
2: What I do is a um, subscription-based program. So you can choose, well, I will tell you which I think is best for you, because I don't want to coach someone two and a half times a month if they don't need it, right? So I'll say, you know what, I think you're going to be fine with once a month. There is a minimum of three months, no matter which level you choose. And then you can bounce around to different levels if you want, or you can cancel your subscription if you feel like you're ready to fly on your own. And I have found that subscription program has worked incredibly well because people aren't intimidated to start. Uh, they know they're committed to three months and if they don't feel like they need it anymore, they can go out of it and I'm not gonna try to convince them otherwise. Um, or they can just continue with me. I mean, people have gone from once a month to the highest level two and a half times a month with email support and tech support. Um, plus, I have a membership site where like the recordings that I've done with other coaches and. Uh, accounting specialists and SEO specialists are all in my membership site. All my exercises are in my membership site. Everything I recommend is in there, so they get access to that and I put an extra training on the calendar for my clients every month. so this month i 'm doing a loan. sometimes I have a guest, but alone i 'm doing um, fees and sales for just my clients, so they 'll get a you know personal invite to come in and I'll do an hour extra training for them. So whoever needs whatever topic I'm talking about, they can come into that.
0: Mm -hmm. So you are in like mega content production mode always, it seems. I mean, I always see you on Facebook Live or, of course, I'm in your group, Actionable Entrepreneurs. And you always ask really thought-provoking questions. And, again, that speaks to your entrepreneur mindset. And the fact that you are always trying to make everybody watching you and consuming your content, push the needle forward in their businesses, you know, do the hard work. It
2: is hard work. It is hard work. And to make the decision to grow to a next level, whether it's in your personal life or your business, it's going to be hard work. I'm not going to pretend it's not going to be, but as you grow and as you're more profitable and as you're charging properly and making more money, you can hire people. And I have, I have a team of people now that helped me with all that content you say. So I'm always the starting point um, and I'm always the one making the conversation. If it says it's my name responding, it's always me. Um, but I have help with a lot of that stuff now so I can pump out that kind of content.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and do you also help your clients figure out how they can outsource, delegate, grow their team in different ways? Because I know that is another fear factor item for a lot of business owners because they have to give up a certain level of control.
2: Yes, when to hire, who to hire, what's important about what you're, you know, listen, I've been managing people since I was 21 years old. It's definitely one of my strong points and I help them through that whole process, right? What are you looking for in an interview? What are you asking them? What should I have them do? Can it be virtual? Does it have to be in person? And when's the right time to do that in your business?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: These are all very personal to each person's design firm, or as a solopreneur, when they're ready to give up some control, <laughs> unless yeah. something for them.
0: Yeah, and just speaking from personal experience, when you give up a little bit of that control, strategically, of course, mm-hmm. smartly, that's when the business grows even more. I, it's just—it's crazy. So. To everyone listening, don't let fear hold you back. Don't let it hold you back from working with a business coach. Don't let it hold you back from growing your team or increasing your prices. Because we all know you're worth it. You have to believe you're worth it. So, Nancy, thank you very, very much for setting aside time to come on the show today.
2: Thanks, Kate. So much fun. It is.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, you're a great guest. You know, I mean, I was saying before we started recording that. For some reason, when you and I start chatting, it's just so effortless. It's like, I don't know.
2: I know. How long was this supposed to be? <laughs>
0: I don't, who cares, right? I mean, it's all very valuable information. And there are certain things in life you just can't cut short. So, this is true. Yes. So, all right. Well, thank you again. And everyone, please go check out Nancy. Go check out Actionable Entrepreneurs on Facebook or go to actionableentrepreneurs.com. You can also head over to nancygensencoffer.com or businesscoachnancy.com. Is that all correct?
2: Businesscoachnancy.com slash consult will take you to the page for the initial consultation. So if you know you want that already, you can go right over to businesscoachnancy.com slash consult.
0: Awesome. And I'll put all of this in the show notes, guys. So don't feel like you've got to write it down, especially if you're driving. Don't do that. But all right. Until next time, until next week, guys, I want you to keep your marketing simple and your message clear. And most of all, just you've got to start believing in yourself, believing that you're worth all the investments in your business that we talked about today. I'll talk to you later.
1: Thanks for listening to The Kate Show. Please hit the subscribe button and share this episode with a business bestie who needs to grow her interior design or home staging firm. To inquire about our products and services, please visit us at katethesocialite.com. Until next time, keep your marketing simple and your message clear.